yeah, on the plane where the guy was sleeping on my shoulder and the plane was full. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that might be why I have COVID. No. You, you, it's you ridiculous. You, you got it off. You, you got it off a toilet seat. That's where you got it. Hey, don't, you're not supposed to tell people I lick toilet seats. It's not right. You can't ingest it. It's putting your head in the toilet and huffing is the problem. Oh, (laughs) Oh, well, people stopped huffing toilets in the 90s. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Hello and welcome to Meet the Pressers. I'm Matt Mallory and this is my esteemed co-host, Clint Macro. I figured I'd give that a try there since uh, you always say that, Clint. (laughs) Uh, This is a show about shooting, political activism, faith, all that fun stuff, self-defense, et cetera. And we have a very special guest today that Clint's going to go ahead and introduce now. Our special guest is uh, the man who was our very first guest on this show over a year ago, and he's a a dear friend and and mentor of mine and one of the legends in the training community. His name is Rob Pincus. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Rob, thank you for coming on the show today. We always enjoy having you here. Man, I appreciate it. You guys have done so much with this show and, and you've had amazing guests and just great conversation. And uh, I've watched you guys kind of grow from, hey, we've got this idea, which instantly was like the best name in podcasting. It was brilliant. And uh, and you guys have just done great with it. So it's uh, I'm glad to be back uh, chatting with you guys about uh, what's going on here in 2020. But uh, it's been an interesting year. And uh, I know you guys have managed to stay busy. And, you know, one of the things that's come out of this is, is how important tools and, and uh, I guess, just the methodology of reaching out to people through podcasts, uh, online, really being educating, being informative, um, being current. You guys have done a great job with it. And I know that's been really important to people as they've been uh, locked up or otherwise hampered in the last few months. When the, the house arrest orders first started doling out in April, uh, we made a point to try and get at least two episodes out a week, which yeah. uh, we, uh, we've since kind of gone back to a, a one episode a week format. But yeah, it's important to get that information out there. And, and a lot of people sitting at home doing nothing were really tuning in. It kind of, frankly, it, it helped build up some of our subscribers. Yeah, people are finding new resources. I mean, obviously, Personal Defense Network, you know, we've been doing online stuff since 2010. We've been around since 2005. But uh, we've seen a spike. We've seen a spike. And what's really gratifying about it was, you know, we made a decision early in March to almost not, we went out of our way to not look like we were, you know, trying to capitalize on the lockdowns or cancel classes like that. Most of our communications were about canceling the PDN training tour. First time I haven't done that in, in over a decade, you know, the cross country drive and all that stuff. You're like but, Disney World. 
What's that? You're yeah. like Disney World. Like you've only been closed down three times in history. Yeah. So we closed the tour down and we communicated that to people. And what we saw was, you know, we didn't run out and say, you know, get your PDN membership now because you can't take a class. Uh, but we saw a, a somewhat steady rise in people that were, were subscribing, but probably not much more than we would have had if it was just the regular students coming to tour classes and subscribing to PDN. But what we saw a lot of was people who have had memberships, people who've been registered with PDN for years that that increased their activity rates in some cases four, five, six hundred percent their average activity rates over a month. So it's been great because you know one of the worst things for me is when somebody says, "Yeah, I signed up. You know, it looked great, but I just don't use it that much. So I don't know if I'm going to renew." And it's like, yeah, I don't know what else to do, man. We've got you know hundreds of free videos, obviously all kinds of online classes, all the premium videos behind the paywall, all the extra stuff, and it's just really gratifying to see people taking advantage of that opportunity. Um, not just for me, but you know, Clint, you're a contributor there. I mean, it's it's um, Matt, you've got some stuff up there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I did one. Uh, the, the, the people that have contributed to it, the other instructors like yourselves that have contributed to PDN, I just I want that information out there. I want it getting used. I want it getting shared. And especially if you're a member of PersonalDefenseNetwork.com, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't been over there in a while, log in and check it out and uh, you know use that search bar because there's there's 15 years worth of information there and and there might be something you you forgot you needed. PDN. One thing that, uh, that I've always admired about you, Rob, is that you're, you know, you're a pioneer. You see stuff before it happens. Just as COVID was coming out, I seen a post by you and you're like, you know, instructors get to online training. This is it. Yeah. You posted that. And I'm just like, shit, I, <laughs> zoom, right? We got the zoom right. for the, for the, so Clint and I were like, uh, I threw up online training and that actually, I mean, it wasn't nowhere near what I did prior for, for in-person classes, but it, it definitely helped a little bit, you know, kill that little bit of a, oh, crap, what am I going to do? All my income just went bye-bye and overnight. Yeah, I was I remember I was over in Europe in February teaching, and it was starting to heat up over there before it did here. And, and you know, I remember kind of joking about it. I forget where I landed. I think it was Amsterdam or something. I landed in Europe, and it was front-page news, and people were in masks. And this was late February, the, the 23rd, 24th. And I remember just kind of, you know, jokingly like, oh, man, I wonder if they're going to, you know, let me back into the country now that I've come over here to you know, virus land. And then, of course, you know, two weeks later, we were virus land, too. But Greg Elifritz was the one, I think, who had posted this thing like, hey, guys, you know, I'm because he's got his, you know, he's, he's an international traveler, too. He's got his kind of finger on the pulse of what's going on. And he would say, you know, what are you going to do if classes get canceled this, uh, this spring? What are you going to do? And I jokingly went in and said, well, you know, in 2005, I'm going to start a training DVD series. And then I'm going to start writing books in 2006. Around 2010, I'm probably going to start doing online <laughs> education through a uh, private, you know, network that exists on a website off social media. And it's kind of, you know, this is what I've been doing. And uh, it is, it's, it's been, we've had a couple other instructors reach out to us over the last couple months and say, you know, hey, you know, you mentioned this a few years ago. Can I still get in on the PDN thing um, for distance education classes and things like that? Because it, it is it's a platform that's been there, you know, now for a decade and we've been, uh, you know, doing the premium memberships and then gold and then platinum and all the distance education stuff since probably 2012 or 13. Um, that's incrementally grown. And it's more and more instructors obviously have had to face the, the facts of uh, distance education. And obviously there's some things you can learn on a video. There's some things you can't, but all of the training theory and you know, all of the gear recommendations, the tactics, the, the concepts that underlie the techniques, even, um, you can learn a lot of really good stuff without having to be hands-on at the range. And of course, the physical stuff, you, yeah, you, you want to manage recoil, you got to be managing recoil. But 
Um, education happens in a lot of different ways. And again, you know, you guys are doing a great job at that with this communicative, you know, podcast, just having conversations. Thanks. One of the things with PDN, just to kind of dovetail back to that, uh, it's available for streaming now, like on the Roku box and that kind of thing, which is pretty fantastic. I didn't know that. Uh, we, uh, we toyed with uh, a few of those different uh, technologies really early on and uh, even looked at like uh, Netflix early on, you know, PDN, or, or uh, sorry, YouTube. Remember YouTube for like five minutes around 2013 or 14 had a pay channel subscription service. They ended up getting rid of it and then they went to the YouTube Red or whatever that premium yep. is. But for a while you could do subscriptions to channels. They were almost trying to emulate um, like a streaming version of direct TV. And we were one of the, PDN was one of the first 25 channels that was available for pay on YouTube, believe it or not. And that was only like five or six years ago. Um, they weren't scared off by the guns and uh, the whole thing kind of flopped. I don't think, you know, we were probably in the middle of the pack in terms of the number of subscriptions we got through YouTube, but uh, the whole project, they canceled it. Uh, we then went back and started looking at, at and we ended up with Roku. We looked at, at a lot of different ways to try to bring people the information. Uh, you know, obviously I use social media a ton. Uh, you know, I'm yes. on Instagram a lot. I'm on Facebook a lot. I have been for a long time. Uh, Twitter, not as much, but uh, the long format stuff at, at YouTube and then even Instagram TV uh, has been out there with video. And then Facebook is a great way to communicate. And Personal Events Network has a big presence on all the social media as well. But at the end of the day, we have to remember those aren't our platforms. We don't control those. We don't own those. And right. I'm under a sanction right now with my uh, Rob Pincus Pro, my, my pro page at, at Facebook. So, you know, facebook.com slash Rob Pincus Pro. I can't solicit new likes and I'm not in the list of, you know, other pages liked by this page, things like that. And it's a, it's a sanction that's been on there for like about 45 days now because of something I shared in 2017 that about a month and a half, two months ago, Facebook decided was against the community standards. I don't even know what it was. It just says, because I shared this other thing that's been removed, I'm sanctioned. And, and people get upset about that and talk about censorship. The way I look at it is it's a, it's a private company, right? Like they don't yeah. owe us a platform. So if you've built your business on YouTube or Facebook and you don't have a fallback, right. uh, I think you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, so personaldefensenetwork.com is its own thing. I mean, I control what gets published there. So I, am I censoring something? If I, if somebody posts a comment and I delete it or somebody, if they can publish something and they say, you know, uh, you know, I, I know we're not going to publish, uh, you know, that technique because it's reckless and dangerous or whatever. Or it's just not well-founded or it's antiquated. We're not going to publish that article, not going to publish that video. I get to make that decision at PDN and, you know, Zuckerberg gets to make that decision for his platform. I, I think that's okay. Um, we just have to be smart about the way we use the social media platforms to promote our in-person classes and our, our Zoom streaming classes and, of course, things like PDN or our retail websites. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, if we are truly believer, believers in liberty, uh, you know, I, I do happen to think sometimes I might see what might be a double standard on Facebook or some of those. But again, it is personal property. It's not it's not mine. It's not public space. So much like going into a store, if they require me to put on a mask, well, if that's what that store owner wants me to do, then I'll respect that. I don't have to go into that store. But you're absolutely right. So many people build their businesses upon these these uh, formats like Facebook and, and YouTube. And then when they do get thrown into Facebook jail, they get upset about it. And well, you got to kind of, it's, it's, pri it's a private property. You know, we got to yeah. kind of roll yeah, with that. It really is. It, it's such an amazing resource we have. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the thing that comes up every once in a while is, well, we got to go, I think parlors, the new one, you know, mm -hmm. we got to get a parlor account and it's, 
it's why would I, why do I want an echo chamber? You know, I'm out here trying to change minds and, and be ad, be an advocate and, and try to educate people. And you know, the idea of retreating back to a space that, that everybody thinks the same way isn't even intellectually interesting to me, let alone a good business model if everybody's already bought in. So I think it's really important that we, we do maintain our presence on the Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, and you know, the way around the organic um, chokehold, uh, because it, you know, it, it is a double standard, but I don't think that's wrong. I guess that's what I'm saying, right? Like if somebody wants to promote football instead of baseball because they like football, who am I to say you have to give equal time to baseball? Like it's not really a thing, right? So if, uh, but if we internally share and repost, it's not just likes, it's not just comments. I think the most powerful thing our community can do is share one another's posts, you know, share the, the episodes that you're putting out, share an article or share a picture somebody does because it's that sharing that, um, kind of beats the algorithm. It, it overcomes the organic and, and built-in structure they have around, you know, we want to promote Volkswagens instead of BMWs. Well, if everybody shares the BMW pictures, then BMW is going to get a lot of exposure that's actually more powerful than what they're just randomly putting up, you know, because it comes with that third-party endorsement. If people are listening to you uh, with family, friends, whatever, and they see what you endorse, that's going to carry more weight than what the platform just randomly puts in front of their feet. Hi, this is Mike Hughes. Hi, this is Brent Lentz. This is Meet the Pressers. Meet the Pressers. I didn't really think about going down this path, but you just kind of alluded to the fact that uh, how active you are on social media. Would you care to give a little bit of background or a little bit of what you do in a, the day in life of Rob? I hear you got 10 cell phones on you or something from my buddy here telling me that. that <laughs> how can an instructor... I know I'm messing. Maybe three. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> three. But how can an instructor um, be able to manage their time with teaching? Because that's my big struggle. Clint's phenomenal about it. And I know he he gives credit to you as far as pushing it, pumping social media. I'm terrible about it. Like last night, I taught a class. I drove to Buffalo, so three hours, and I taught a New York handgun safety course, Spanish. I had it translated in Spanish, and I had 30 students in the class. I get done. Did everybody I leave. in the class laugh a lot? Because if they did, your translator was probably telling jokes. Well, it's funny. It, it, well, the sad part about it was in the class <laughs> while he was translating, I heard him say, sh you know, bullet in the head. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I didn't say anything about shooting somebody in the head. So I took him outside and I had to, you know, read him the riot at him. Like, you need to translate exactly what I'm saying. But it's different in English and Spanish. Uh, yeah, I get it. You can make that but don't go adding your own flavor to it you're you got to translate what i say i'm not signing a certificate <laughs> based on what you translated you translate anyway so we get off the rails but point being is i got done I, i'm on my way back three hour drive and i'm like shit i didn't even take a photo what would you suggest to an instructor that wants to have a better presence on the internet with, with social media is there a certain app you use that would be able to to spread that through other social media av avenues without having to do it on each individual platform you know, there are, I, I will tell you that I'm sort of the worst, like I'm the best worst guy at all that stuff. I think <laughs> it, it, it is, people ask me all the time, like, you know, do I have an assistant? Do I have like someone who manages it for me or what app do I use that consolidates all of that? I used to use one. Um, I think Hootsuite maybe was the one I used to use. What, what happens is the links constantly break down, you know, or you have to log in and you have to, to redo it or, or because right. I have, 
you know, I've got Second Amendment organization, Walk to Talk America, right. gun owners. I mean, during the corona, the Responsible Rebellion page, plus my page, plus Personal Defense Network, yep. IT training company, Combat Film. Maybe I have 15 Facebook pages, right? And then I've got, you know, five or six Instagram accounts and, and uh, only one Twitter uh, the one YouTube channel, but then I could also with the save the second, I put some stuff up on YouTube for save the second, things like that. So there's so many logins and so many um, sort of, I want this to go to these five places and I want this to only go to these two and the posts. I, I really end up doing a lot of it manually. Uh, the, wow. the, the advantage I guess that I have is I've just kind of always done it, right? I've talked about guns through electronic means since 300 baud modems, you know, and dial up bullet board systems in the 80s. Get that handshake, get that handshake. So, so it's just, it's part of my, you know, DNA. It's just part of what I do. And, and I've always done a lot of video. I've always taken a lot of pictures. I've always enjoyed photography as a, as a hobby. And, you know, it's, it served me well professionally and all that. Now the, the phones make it so easy. And I think oh. that's really what it comes down to for me is, like, how much easier do you want it to be? I mean, the, the phones take world-class pictures. They do yeah. world-class video. You can edit. You know, if you're, if you're you know, I guess it's not legal and it may, it may or may not be safe, but you can, you know, you can knee drive and edit a video on your phone. <laughs> class, you got three hours in the car. Uh, the, the, Cut the, that. Cut that. <laughs> bad advice. Bad advice. You know, I'm not a driving instructor. I'm a firearms instructor. Um, so I'm a driving that. instructor. <laughs> so, but, it, but I would say, like, my knee is driving. My hands are not... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but in reality, in reality it, it, it is just something you have to do. The way I, I parse that out is in classes, I will, you know, okay, we did this, thing. I talk about something, we go do a live drill, um, I might point out some things about the live drill, I'll summarize it, and I'll go, okay, does anybody have any questions? You know, all right, sure, everybody gets it, all right, cool, because we're going to move on to something new next, when after you guys reload. All right, if there's no questions, cool, grab, grab your magazines, go grab some water, you know, and uh, load up, and we'll, we'll come back out here. I'll meet you in the shade if I'm going to explain something else. And then that next three to seven minutes while they're drinking water and doing their reload breaks, that's my, that's my business work time. Mm, yeah. That's not my break. That's my, that's my time. I don't have to worry about a guy with a gun in his hand. I don't have to worry about answering questions. Right. That's when I can jump on the phone and, and post that picture or answer that email or check out the comments on a post I did in the morning. And what happens if a student at that moment, you know, it'll happen usually second or third break in the day. You any questions? No. Okay, cool. You sure? Good. All right. Magazines, go ahead. Some guy will come walking up to me and goes, hey, let me ask you something. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody, come on back. Everybody come back. Matt has a question. I'm like, apparently, and he's like, no, no, just, I just wanted to ask. I know you wanted to ask me. It must be incredibly important because I just asked you three times if you had a question. So come on, everybody. Let's get back. <laughs> Let's hear the next question. And, and it might be a really good question. It might be something he thought, what it usually happens, somebody like, well, I'm so having a little trouble with my holster. And they think it's just about them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, man, everybody can benefit, benefit. from mm-hmm. your question about your holster. So let's talk about it, right? And so it's a little bit of busting balls, but it's also setting parameters, right? When, I'm, when I say go reload and, and I'm, I'm, I pull my phone out of my pocket, that's, that's Rob time and Rob's business time during the yeah. day. And that's really the only way I can manage it with my normal schedule. You know, if I'm doing 40, 50, 60 classes a year, um, two to three day class average, you know, those this year isn't like that, obviously, it's an exception, but but 
the only way I could be managing all the social media and all the business collaborations and everything else I have going on uh, would be, you know, to be able to do that during the day without taking away from the students is to set really hard, you know, parameters around, you know, this is now your time to go load and it's my time to focus on maybe making a social media post. My name is Kim Stolfer. I'm president of Firearms Owners Against Crime. I'm out here exercising my Second Amendment rights as I've done for the last 65 years. The right to bear arms is a civil right, not meant for negotiation as some politicians would have you believe. So if you believe in the Second Amendment, you believe in individual liberties, please get involved now. Make sure your friends are registered to vote. Because on November 4th, if we don't do what we need to do, we're all going to pay the price. So uh, one of the things that you were talking about uh, that you, you're involved with is the 2A rally. And as I can see, our clock is starting to tick here on our episode here. I think it's very important that we talk about that. So the Second Amendment rally was something that really came about uh, on, a, on a group phone call. I was not uh, one of the, it wasn't like I sat around and said, oh, I got to do this thing in DC. I was invited to participate in a conference call. And I think it was probably the second or third one that the original um, you know, progenitors of the idea had had. And uh, there, there really wasn't a specific reason it was it was more like hey why it was people from outside the normal gun rights advocacy world it wasn't any major organization it wasn't any you know some it wasn't someone that people would consider a gun rights leader advocate whatever and it was a couple guys that said why why don't we have like rallies why isn't there a rally and it, somehow i got on the call and they're like rob you've been around forever like you do a lot of stuff like what's up with the the lack of gun rights rallies and the conventional wisdom has always been that you know, conservatives uh, by their very nature, which are the vast majority of gun rights advocates, advocates are going to be conservatives, just they're not rally type people. Like we don't just take off a weekend from work or take a weekend away from our family or take a weekend from the other things we would otherwise do and gather up to wave signs and, you know, cheer on uh, people that are kind of preaching to the choir. It's just not something that we've been good at. And even when we've tried, um, we've sort of failed miserably. And, and for one reason or another, the, the, the largest gathering that we could find prior to last year's was uh, just over 2,000 people that got together as a counter march or a counter protest rally during the Million Moms March. And it was like 2,000, 2,500 people. And what, so when I started asking around, it was like, well, we want to do this. Would you like to be involved? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And when we started, uh, so I did call some of my friends, you know, the, the real establishment, the real leaders of, of, you know, the major organizations and everybody was like, nope, don't do it, won't work, can't do it, it'll just embarrass us. You know, one guy does something stupid or one guy, you know, wears a, a KKK outfit and embarrasses us. And it's like, well, I mean, if, 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 if all you do is worry about the potential pitfalls, then I could see why we're, not, why we're not good at this, why it never works. Like, how about if we just go for it and try to make it as good as we can and and uh, the way I looked at it was this, and this was my pitch to a lot of the, because Jeff Knox and I were really the main public faces, I guess, of the committee. Almost all the committee members were anonymous and all of the funding was anonymous. So it wasn't any organization. It wasn't a company. It was really about like a grassroots like, advocacy. Event. Like the Tea Party kind of mindset. Yeah. Like just let's just do this as, as individuals and they who care about the gun rights purpose, right? The cause. Mm -hmm. So, so we ended up with 30 speakers, um, all of them just united under the idea that the Second Amendment protects our right to keep and bear, our individual right to keep and bear arms. And if you think that's worth celebrating or defending, show up. And, and, and the speakers were 
very diverse, um, a lot of different, not just diverse, like superficial diversity, but thought diversity. Um, the 30 different speeches, almost everybody had a different take on what the Second Amendment meant to them or why gun rights were important or why fighting for our gun rights was important or the best way to fight for our gun rights. So it was a great collection of people. Uh, and we ended up, I, I don't know, there was, there was easily 3,000 people there. You know, it was a four hour long event. It was a beautiful weather day. Yep. There were people that came and went. They were there for a couple hours and left. Or, you know, obviously a lot of people stayed there for the whole thing. We had a bunch of distraction. Um, it was the, the Major League Baseball uh, parade that day. And we, we know a lot of locals just basically said, I'm not dealing with the traffic. I'm not going to you know, mess with, with getting into D.C. and getting out of D.C. and the parking. I think that hurt us. I think we probably could have reached 5,000 people last year if we didn't have that happen. But uh, you know, this is another year. And I've got some new great committee members working with me. Um, Diana Muller is one of them. Uh, Chris Chang. The three of us just had a great call yesterday. We're, awesome. we're already we're getting ready probably within the next uh, within a week of seeing this. We're going to be talking about the first group of, of speakers officially. Um, obviously, there's going to be some people that come back from last year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new speakers as well. It's probably going to be 40 to 60 percent one way or the other, old speakers and new speakers. So we'll have some continuity, but we're also going to have some uh, some fresh blood. And again, we're looking for diversity of thoughts. We're looking for people who are excited about sharing their personal view and message related to the Second Amendment. It's going to be October 24th in Washington, D.C. Um, we pulled the permits right away last year. Um, I have been talking to the Capitol Police who control that permitting process. As of right now, um, we're good to go. Uh, they, they don't see any, any reason to pull the permits or to cancel gatherings or anything like that. You know, there's a fine line with... Uh, the, the protests and the civil unrest. Um, I, I've said, you know, my position is I don't think we should cancel because of coronavirus concerns. Um, all the research, all the indications are outside. Outdoor events, um, you really don't have nearly as much to worry about. People want to wear masks, great. People want to stand six feet apart, great, whatever. Um, but we're still going to go forward. The only thing that would potentially affect is obviously if if Capitol Police pulled it, um, that's one thing. But if uh, if there was a, if there was a high degree of civil unrest, you know, if there was some of the stuff that we were seeing here in major cities in June where there's, you know, violence at night and, and, you know, National Guard in the streets kind of stuff. I think then it would be the responsible thing for us to do as a committee would be to postpone the event um, and not risk a, a real black eye or just the, the idea that, you know, who are we? We're asking people to come to Washington, D.C. Obviously, we can't carry guns in D.C. for expensive right. purposes. Yeah. Putting people in that position, I think, would be, would be irresponsible for, for the cause and for the individuals. And then we might look at doing something like like this, like a virtual uh, presentation, because one of the things that's really important that I've tried to explain to the potential speakers um, and, and get them to understand is it, absolutely, we want everybody who comes to the rally to be excited, to, to cheer, to hear positive messages, to hear messages that will influence them and make them basically ambassadors to go back to their communities and become Second Amendment grassroots advocates. But having said that, the real change we're looking for isn't with the kind of people who come to a Second Amendment rally, right? We're already the converted. We're really speaking in these speeches and through the actions of the crowd and the support of the crowd and the presence of the crowd. We're speaking to people in the in the middle ground, you know, in America, the people that are either going to support gun control because they think, yeah, gun owners need more control, or they're going to say, you know what, gun owners make sense, gun owners are reasonable, gun owners are responsible, and, and I'm going to support them even if I'm not a gun person. And and I think if you look at the, the 30 speeches from last year, you see that over and over and over again, preaching responsibility, preaching civil rights, preaching rational, 
exercise of, of, a, of a civil right freedom that, that is incredibly important to not only America, but to individuals, right? I mean, I, I always say like, this isn't an American issue to me. You know, I'm super proud to live in America. I'm, I'm really glad we have the Second Amendment. But I think that self-defense, self-preservation is a natural human right that, that extends yeah. beyond any border or any constitution or any form of government. And every individual should have the right and the means to defend themselves. And uh, obviously here in the U.S., if, if we lose it here, there's not much hope for the rest of the world to maintain it. Right. Very true. And that's October 24th in Washington, D.C.? It's going to run like 11 to 3 is when we're going to actually do the, the speaking times. We're going to try to run that same four-hour format, about 30 speakers. Um, obviously, Washington, D.C. in October, um, if, if it's not on fire, is a, is a great place to be. Uh, you know, it's a great time to be in, in any of the major cities yeah. on the East Coast. It's, the humidity's died down. and yeah. you're kind Fall, of beautiful. Out of the summer, yeah. So it's a great time. And our biggest criticism that I think was very fair last year is we didn't even announce this. Uh, it was November 2nd last year, and we really didn't start promoting it until mid to late September, um, just be, right. because it, it came about as kind of a last minute, yeah, let's try it. This year, um, we've had that date, October 24th, published for 10, uh, you know, it will have been 10 months. And uh, we certainly are letting people know this is definitely a go and, and we're gonna start announcing speakers. And we, we are hopeful that people will make their reservations, will make their arrangements to get there. The, the good, other good news is right now, every major airline has a no change fee reservation opportunity. What they're letting people do, because everybody gets that, we don't know if we're even gonna be allowed to travel in October. Um, you can make your reservations. Airline flights are pretty cheap right now, especially if you're making them two and three months in advance. And there is no change fee. So if, if the corona rolls in or anything else happens, you can always uh, just you know, bank that ticket and use it for something else. Uh, to go do something else gun related or take a family vacation or whatever. So it's not going to be lost money if people make those reservations now uh, to join us uh, October 24th in Washington, D.C. Awesome. And last thing as we close out real quick, things that changed in the industry and things that still need to change in the industry. I think the biggest thing that, that has changed here recently is, is a shift to understanding that not everybody who wants a gun for protection or was even going to carry a gun for protection wants to be a, a gun geek, wants to be a, a marksman, wants to be a, you know, a world-class shooter, that not everybody is, is chasing the, the safe full of guns and, and you know, how to field strip it blindfolded. And acceptance that there are some people that look at the gun the way most people look at their cars. They're not car enthusiasts. They don't go race on the weekends. They don't right. with their car modify it. They just want a car that's going to get them to work and get them home and take their kids to soccer practice or whatever. And that's how a lot of people are looking at their gun. It's a defensive tool. They want to take the class. They want to get the training. They want to be able to practice, but they just want a, a good, reliable gun, basic fundamental skills, a good holster and a, and a great mindset, a safe storage option at home. And, and the, the industry, I think, has become much more respectful of that. I think that the, the thing that needs to change is we still we still find it far too easy. It's far too common to see people inside of the gun community use uh, pejoratives like they or maybe the liberals or the media when what they really mean is anti-gunners, right. gun grabbers, gun control advocates. I think we need to be really very specific about that. Because we need to be sensitive alienate, about that. You know, alienate so many people when yeah. it's a cheap applause. It's somebody who gets up at the D.C. rally and says, the left's trying to take away our guns, but the next speaker is a a Democratic congressman from California who's pro-gun and has a concealed carry permit. It just it doesn't even make right. sense. So we, we need to be really specific. Our enemies are anti-gunners, gun grabbers, and yeah. gun control advocates. It, right. it, it's not the left. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Rob. And again, I, I want to thank you for your mentorship and your support for my professional endeavors. And 
I think since knowing you, I've, I've become even a better person in this world too. <laughs> I, I enjoy. Spending I, I truly, I truly uh, mean that. Thank you, man. It means a lot. It really does. Uh, I, I missed out on getting to hang with you and the family because I canceled the tour this year. But uh, we'll get together, and I, I do enjoy watching you and your family's exploits on uh, the social media as well. But uh, like I said, you guys are doing a great service for the community, and, and obviously, as individual educators, you guys are two of the busiest guys I know, even in the Corona time. So uh, thank you for your work. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Awesome having you on, sir. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hello, my name is Clint Macro, co-administrator of National Train a Teacher Day. This year, National Train a Teacher Day was originally scheduled for June 20th, 2020. Unfortunately, with everything that's gone on with the COVID epidemic, we ended up rescheduling that date. August 1st, 2020 is the rescheduled date for National Train a Teacher Day. On National Train a Teacher Day, instructors from all across the country are offering their services for free to teachers, school staff, administrators, and people who are involved with youth in a leadership capacity. We want to help educate and empower these individuals who are charged with the education and safety of our children and give them information, empower them with skills and knowledge so that they can choose to be something other than a victim if evil happens to come to their school. National Train a Teacher Day is not advocating for an armed teacher program, a government sanctioned program. Uh, actually, we think that's pretty much a bad idea. But what we do believe is law abiding citizens should be able to arm themselves where they work and protect those that they love, just like they do at home or at the park. Now, using a firearm as a particular chosen tool of self-defense may not be for you. That's why National Train a Teacher Day volunteers are not only offering firearms training, whether that be just safe handling training or defensive use of a firearm type of training, but they're also offering situational awareness training, conflict avoidance training, medical training, pepper spray, taser, and unarmed defense. Too often we've seen how violent culture is in this country. Unfortunately, it's something that's, that's happening more and more. So through educating those people who are charged with the safety and education of our children, we feel that we're making this country stronger. All answers to all problems can be found in education and in the exercise of the rights and liberties of the individual citizen. And that's what we believe that National Train a Teacher Day is helping to facilitate. And in those jurisdictions and states where teachers are not allowed by law to arm themselves, what better advocate for change is there than an educated, law-abiding citizen? The third annual National Train a Teacher Day is officially sponsored by the United States Concealed Carry Association, Saber Red Pepper Spray, and Taser. All of these companies have pledged to give free training materials to instructors that teach their corresponding classes on National Train a Teacher Day. The training on National Train a Teacher Day is 100% free to teachers, school staff, administrators, and those that work with youth in a leadership capacity. If you'd like to learn more about National Train a Teacher Day, visit nationaltrainateacherday.com. There you can find more information. You can connect with a volunteer instructor in your area and get signed up to take advantage of free training on August 1st, 2020. There's a lot of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mantis. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less.
Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click the little bell, come on Patreon, help support us that way, come to one of our classes, or host us, we can come to you and do one of our courses at your location. So until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.